Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Right now, you're looking at me, you're seeing me, you're evaluating me, you're listening to what I say, you're synthesizing it with your life and your heart. Maybe you can smell the cologne or something else with the person next to you. Hopefully it's the cologne. You're doing all this and processing all of this simultaneously and instantly. You are a high capacity, high production creation of God. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and we're so glad to have you back. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, We're continuing with Pastor Keith's series, 10 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos, from the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day, this glorious day that you've made where we can come together as a church family and worship you in this meeting house. Father, we thank you for the privilege of serving the community yesterday uh, through Fall Fest. We thank you for all the people who served and contributed through prayer and back-breaking work and set up and tear down and every other kind of way. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the chance to honor you through our service, and we thank you today for the chance to worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody once said that your actions are the clearest expression of your beliefs, of your faith, of your convictions. Jesus put it this way, by their fruits you will know them. And so what I want to ask you today as we begin this message is how do you apportion or spend or allocate your time? Where does your time go? I know some of us are saying, I don't know where the time goes. We're going to talk about that. Here's how Americans spend their time. This is according to A.C. Nielsen. U.S. adults are spending more than 11 hours a day on average consuming media in some form, television, radio, smartphone, tablets, apps, DVDs, live streaming, social media, everything, 11 hours a day. Uh, Simultaneous to that, Inc. Magazine describes a, a Bureau of Labor Statistics report that says that the average American works about eight, or is at work, about 8.8 hours a day. 8.8 8.8 hours a day. Now, interestingly enough, they are only productive two hours and 53 minutes a day. For all you supervisors out there, you need to get after these people. But that's incredible. How do they spend those? How do they spend their work day? I had to keep going in the article, so this is a little bit extra. 
reading news websites one hour and five minutes on, on the clock, on the job. Social, checking social media 44 minutes a day. Discussing non-work-related things with coworkers 40 minutes a day. Searching for new jobs 26 minutes a day. <laughs> Taking smoke breaks 23 minutes a day. Making calls to partners or friends 18 minutes a day. Making hot drinks 17 minutes a day. Texting or instant messaging someone 14 minutes a day. Eating snacks eight minutes a day, making food in the office seven minutes a day. The average American gets on average 6.8 hours of sleep per day. 40% get less than six hours. We need about seven to eight hours of sleep. So how much time do we allocate for God on average, the average American per day? Three minutes a day is the average. It's the national average. Three minutes a day. Uh, 33 minutes on Sunday for the average American. The average worshiper, which must be different than the average American, spends about two hours on a Sunday. So when you take the higher numbers and factor them in together, uh, the average American worshiper spends about two hours and 24 minutes making time for God during the week. So how are we doing as a people, as a country? How does that work? When we commit, when we're so busy doing all these things and we set aside three minutes for God and two hours and 53 minutes for work. Uh, what does that look like? Well, one in five or one in four people in the United States, 20 to 25% are said to suffer from some form of mental illness. And the reasons why vary from leading isolated lives to feeling overwhelmed all the time and their brains and their minds short circuit. Lives are way too hectic. It is said, too, in the article that many people live lives that are just confused. They run for hither and yon. They sort of bounce around like a BB in a boxcar from thing to thing, and it's just too much for them. People are living with a sense of confusion, and they are crushed by conflicting schedules and conflicts of interest. Way too much strain on families and individuals, people in general. One in five or one in four suffering from some form of mental illness, and usually there's a spiritual correlation. Now stop and think about this. We sleep eight, seven hours a day, give or take. We do media for 11 hours a day. We occupy space in the office for 8.8 hours a day, and we, and we spend three minutes a day with God as a people. And that's why there's often chaos in our lives. That's why this world seems to be going from order to chaos. It's sort of a spiritual law of thermodynamics, the second law, uh, entropy, things going from order to chaos. And what is the cure for this? What is the solution for this? The solution, of course, is God and Christ. And as we have been working through this series on the uh, 10 rules for life, an antidote for chaos, the antidote for chaos, I want you to understand that the 10 commandments, which is what we're studying, we're doing an exposition, an explanation on the 10 commandments, are really 10 protections. God wants to protect us from chaos. He wants to keep us grounded. He wants to keep us focused. He wants, to, wants us to know how to relate to him in our vertical relationship and to people around us in our horizontal relationships. The first four commandments are about how we relate to God and commandments five through 10, the next six, are about how we relate to people. And they are an antidote for chaos because they are sort of a quick start guide for the human, you know, we come with instructions and the Bible is our instruction book. Some people call the Bible basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. And if, you know, if you buy technology, a peripheral printer, whatever it is, a lot of times you get a quick start guide. And I want you to think of the Ten Commandments as your quick start guide. 
because it's the very, very basics for functioning in a civilized world in a civilized way, according to the will of God. And so we have our series called The Ten Rules for Life because that's what we see the Ten Commands as. The first commandment was, make God the priority. You shall have no other gods before me. The second rule for life was, accept no substitutes. You shall not have idols bow down or worship them. The third rule for life that we covered was, be careful what you say. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not misuse his name or his character. And today, we come to the fourth rule for life, and that is, make time for God. Make time for God. And we find that in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. And I'll read through that. Now, I want you to listen and read and think about this. And if you have your smartphone or your tablet or your Bible or the screen, follow along. Make time for God. Remember, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's review and remember how we got here, right? God rescued Israel out of Egypt. He brought through using Moses, he rescued them. He brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and he brought them to the promised land. They had kind of blent in with the culture there in Egypt, and as they moved into the promised land and tried to follow God, and as Moses tried to lead them, they had too many confused understandings. And so on the plains of Moab, on Mount Zion, prior to the entry into Canaan, somewhere around 1446 B.C., scholars tell us, God gave the Ten Commandments. And we think of the Ten Commandments as some sort of don't do this, don't do that kind of restrictive thing, but it's really a freeing thing because it shows us what's important, what's vital. That's why it's like a quick start guide. That's why we call it Ten Rules for Life, the antidote, not an antidote, the antidote for chaos. Because when we live, when we live according to God's Word, we see things more clearly. We understand our place in the universe, our relationship to God and others. And so God gave these to Israel. And when we look at this passage in Exodus 28 through 11, we see that we are to make time for God. We are to set aside time to remember him and to continue to work on our relationship with God. Relationships take work. You know that if you're married, you have a relationship with your spouse or you have a sibling or a son or a daughter. Relationships take work. It's a two-way communication. Too often we pray to God in our three minutes a day and say, gimme, 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 but we don't listen. You know, we speak to God through prayer. He speaks to us through his word. And so we're to make time for God because without a relationship with God, without a healthy relationship with God, without making time for God, without making him the priority and accepting those substitutes, without doing that, we cannot make sense of our existence. We don't even know how to live our purpose because we don't know him intimately. And we know him intimately and thoroughly through his word. Without purpose, without understanding, we end up without hope. And in a fallen world, we wind up with lost and without direction in a time of upheaval and chaos. And we are living in such a time as that right now. You know, if you watch the news yesterday. And so God provides through his Ten Commandments protection, correction, and direction. And we need to follow his instructions because he's our designer. He's our creator. And he has that intimate designer knowledge. And so we can function, as it were, according to manufacturer specifications and our wheels do not go off. 
And so today we focus on make time for God. And how do we do that? I'd like to give you four actions you can take so that you can make time for God. Let's understand four actions we must take in order to make time for God as an antidote to the chaos in our lives that surrounds us, that would distract us and divert us away from Him. And the first action that you and I need to take daily, really, but particularly in terms of a Sabbath, in terms of setting aside time for God, is this, remember to remember. I know that sounds redundant, but work with me. Remember to remember. How does Exodus 20 verse 8 start out? Remember the Sabbath. And the word remember here, zahar, in Hebrew, has to do with actively bringing something to mind. It's not like, honey, remember to bring a loaf of bread home tonight. It's a deliberate, focused, intentional recollection and remembrance bringing to mind God. It's not passive, it's active. It's engaged. We are told, commanded, encouraged, and exhorted to remember the Sabbath and keep it special, to set it apart, to make time for it, to make time for God. We are told to slow down and remember God, to stop, to pause, to think about Him. It's an intentional decision. It is cognitive. It is not accidental or incidental. It is a determined, purposeful recollection. I think the force of the thought is illustrated best in Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610, great psalm. What does it say? It says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying, other translations say, stop striving and know that I'm God. It's a, it's a here and now with an eternal view and perspective. We can sort of pay him now or pay him later, but he will be exalted in our lives. He will be exalted in the world. He will display his glory through us and to us. And we can cooperate with him by slowing down and smelling the spiritual coffee, as it were, and zeroing in on him. We look to remember, to honor, to revere, and to lift up God in our lives. That's what it's all about, making time for God. It's about savoring God. We are to remember. We are to rehearse We are to recall God's power and his place in the creation. He spoke the universe into existence. He created energy from nothing. And we are to remember that because there's hope in that for us. Because if he can speak reality into existence, if he can make order out of chaos, if he can create something out of nothing, there's no problem, no challenge, no hardship, no heartbreak in your life that he can't get you through beyond merely surviving, but thriving, if we make time for him. You know why? If you don't make time for God, you cannot cram for life. You can cram for a quiz, you can cram for an exam, you might be able to cram for a board or some kind of certification, but you can't cram for life. And so we are to habitually and characteristically make time for God. Set aside time for God. It comes through more clearly for some in the parallel passage found in Deuteronomy 5. You know, in in Deuteronomy, which means the second giving of the law or second time around, the Ten Commandments, in fact, the law of Moses revealed in Exodus is reiterated and even amplified and clarified in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, we have the same command. Let's look at it together. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Observe, there's that verb, it's a command. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it set apart. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant employee or your female servant employee or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner, the visitor, the stranger within your gates, the guest within your home. You shall... uh, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. There's that rest. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Think about that. Think about all that's bound up in there. You and I, according to Ephesians chapter 2, were dead in our sins and trespasses, walking according to the way of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. We were dead, but God, with the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. He rescued us with a mighty hand through the Savior out of the house of slavery to sin, death, and hell. And we are to remember that. The Sabbath anticipates the coming of Christ and the eternal rest that lies ahead for the believer. So we are to observe this Sabbath. We are to savor it. We are to think about it. And how important is it in the scheme of things? How important is setting aside one day in seven? I mean, sometimes you want to say, whoa, you got to be practical here. We're living in the 21st century. It takes two incomes. We have irregular work days. We get emails at 2.45 a.m., all those kinds of things. How serious do you think God is about this? Well, when you look at this in the context in which it's given, it's given, given to Israel... The basic tithe for the Jewish people was 10% up to 35% given all the festivals and everything. So the starting point there for Israel was 10%. The starting point for time with God, one day in seven, is in excess of 14%. Think about that, plus whatever happens on the other days of the week. So he's deadly serious. And when we act as if, well, he doesn't understand, yeah, he understands. God knows everything past, present, and future exhaustively. He anticipates every need. He never overlooks anything, so he knows what we're facing here in the 21st century when he gives this command that carries forward to today. So think about that. This is a critical rule for life. Again, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, which expands a little bit on our passage in Exodus. Observe, preserve, maintain, keep the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And then in verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. and The Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We are to remember his deliverance, his provision, his salvation, his rescue. We are to be still and know that he is God. We are to rehearse and recall the glorious thing God has done for us. It helps us not just survive in this life, but to thrive as we realize that there's no pit so deep that his love and his power are not deeper still or there's no mountain so high there's no obstacle so great that God's love and power cannot enable us to soar above it we are to observe and when we observe our actions reveal our belief to the world around us our actions preach the gospel preach the power and presence of God to the people around us where do we see that look again Exodus uh, 28 through 11 uh, picking up in verse 10 Exodus 28 through 11 picking up in verse 10 On the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or the sojourner who is within your gates. When you live out your faith, when you make time for God, when you take God seriously, when you remember God in what you do, people notice. 
We always talk about lifestyle evangelism. Often it's too much lifestyle and no evangelism. But when you live out your faith and your love for God, when you make time for God in a conspicuous way, people notice and they'll ask you questions. And we'll deal with this in just a little bit in greater detail. But we need to do that. You see, as slaves in Egypt, the Jewish people were working seven days a week, sun up to sundown. They didn't have time to think about God. And when you're living in a, in a sort of a, a basic agrarian society or a shepherding society or even a hunter-gathering society, you're living hand-to-mouth in subsistence agriculture or subsistence hunting, and you don't have time to think. Kind of like us today, right, with all the hours that we work and all the things and the activities and distractions that we face. But when we back up, when we take a step back and we savor God, when we think about God, when we make time for God, we see our lives and the past and the present and the future more clearly. The Sabbath was created for man to rest, to remember God. The Sabbath depicts God's pattern for our lives. God ceased his creative activity. It says rested there. The Hebrew word means cease, stop, stop creating. We're to stop working and to be still and know that he's God. We are to remember the Sabbath and why God instituted it, and that gives us hope. We are to rest from our earthly labors. We are to rest from sin eternally one day. It's a picture of here and now and then and there if we remember the Sabbath, which brings us to action number two. I've already kind of hinted at it or given it away, and that is this. We remember to remember, and action number two is remember to rest. Remember to rest. Where do you see that? We're going we're gonna, to, it's in the same passage. We're going to work this passage over pretty good. Exodus 28 through 11. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Verse 11. For in six days God made the heaven and the earth and, all the, and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. He set it apart. Sabbath means rest, and wherever you see that concept is the concept of rest. In, in ancient Near Eastern culture, slaves never rested. That's why at the Passover, they recline at the table. You always read that Jesus is reclining at the table. It's a picture of the coming rest. We are free in Christ, just like Israel was free from Egypt. Again, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 14, uh, 514 again. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner, the visitor, the stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. It is a time to stop, to disconnect with all this junk, with all the messes and stresses in our lives and to connect with God, to worship God. It is an act of worship. Our rest depicts our trust in Christ. And you know what? Rest is essential to preventive maintenance. When you think of all the complex technology that we have birthed here in Silicon Valley, when you think about just machines, manufacturing, production, you think about artificial intelligence and how it can do all these things, and then think of the complexity and majesty and magnificence of the human body, which in some way bears the image of God. Right now, you're looking at me, you're seeing me, you're evaluating me, you're listening to what I say, you're synthesizing it with your life and your heart. Maybe you can smell the cologne or something else of the person next to you. Hopefully it's the cologne. It, it, you're doing all this and processing all of this simultaneously and instantly. You are a high capacity, high production creation of God.
Pastor Keith Crosby, on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Thank you.